Oh, thank you, worship team. That was beautiful. I'm so honored to be here today. Uh, my name is Nicola Bauk, and <clears throat> if, uh, if you only knew how ironic it is that I was asked to speak tonight, <laughs> I, um, I actually come from a really large, high-conflict, chaotic family. I'm the oldest of a lot of brothers and sisters. Can I see a show of hands of firstborns and large families in here? Okay, so um, basically how I dealt with families, or I'm sorry, relationships, was I pretty much avoided them. I stayed in my room, read a book, like focused on school and, and that sort of thing. Um, actually even wanted to be a marine biologist so I can live on a research vessel out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, away from relationships. <laughs> They're so messy, right? They're so messy. Well, um, God grabbed my heart in my um, third year of college. I got baptized, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he changed my course from marine biology to psychology and social work. I um, ended up changing my major and um, then pursued um, becoming a therapist. Um, I Then, once I got a job as a therapist, started getting trained in high-conflict families, um, probably the population I wanted to avoid the most out of, out of all the populations I could work with. But um, interestingly, I was comfortable in the environment, and I was good at it. And um, so here I am today um, with, with a practice and working with, with people. But I'm going to tell you, in my personal life, even though like, I had the facts and the techniques and the tools, I was having a hard time with, I still was having a hard time with relationships in my life. Um, even though I had been baptized and um, I was a Christian, I still didn't really understand what a relationship with Christ meant. Uh, it was still kind of foreign to me. Um, but I will tell you, what happened was I got married and then I had a child, then I got divorced and had a couple more unhealthy relationships, and was struggling in relationships in the workplace, and I, I just started calling out to God. And that is, when, that is when I learned that you can have a healthy and whole relationship, but really you can only have a healthy and whole relationship with Christ. Um, and because of my, I shouldn't say only a healthy relationship with Christ, what I mean is once you are relationally whole because of Christ, you can then really enjoy healthy relationships. Um, <clears throat> and how I learned that was, even though, like I said, I, I knew all the tricks, I knew all the techniques, I knew all the skills as a therapist, even applied them in my own life, I was still really struggling with feeling like... Um, feeling like I was missing something, feeling like I was failing in my relationships or I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my relationships. And so it was, it was in those nights that I was spending time with Jesus, with my Bible, with my journal, really kind of calling out to him that I started to feel fully seen, fully loved. And um, that relationship grew and it developed and it started changing me. It started changing me and my expectations in my relationships, how I showed up in my relationships. And, you know, we'll get to a little more of that in a bit. Um, so I know that um, I'm not a pastor, and teaching scripture isn't necessarily my wheelhouse, but I do have, um, let me not forget to advance this here. I do know that 
we are not going to be able to say that we know what it looks like to be relationally healthy and whole without knowing Jesus. Um, God is actually the picture of relationally healthy and whole. God is the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct roles within one purpose, and they are God. And they have a perfect relationship in that they don't need anything outside of that relationship, and they meet each other's needs in that relationship. And our church and our marriages and our relationships can reflect that because we were invited into that relationship. Um, so just like in the church, we are a body of distinct roles and parts. We are together one body, one purpose. Um, so there's, there's the, the scripture part that I'm not the best at. I mean, I, I, I know it and I feel it, but I don't necessarily know how to teach it as well as like Matt, Pastor Jay would. Um, what I want to get to is that we were invited into that relationship, and because Jesus died for our sins and he repaired our relationship, our fractured, broken relationship with, with God caused by our sin, we get to enjoy a relationship with him not just after we pass in eternity, but we get to enjoy that now. And we get to spend time with him and be transformed by him. And what I like to do is try to... Um, use the relationship between Jesus and his friends and the, the disciples in the Bible and, and try to model that in my relationships. Um, when we, we just had Easter, and so it's uh, a couple of the, the stories after Easter came to mind when I was preparing for today. One of them being just how how loving he is to his friends. So even though he asked them to pray, for example, he asked them to spend the night praying over him, and they went to sleep. He asked them to do one thing. I think about how we would react to that in our, in our earthliness, right? How petty we could be, right? I asked you to do one thing. You couldn't do one thing. You couldn't just pray for me, right? And then the next day, he, um, he, you know, he lets Peter know he's going to deny him three times. And can you imagine, like, being told that? You know, if I were Peter, I'd be like, no. Nah, you got me confused with, with that guy. I'm your friend. I love you, Jesus. I'm not going to do that. And then he does. After he is resurrected, after he comes back, he comes to, to his friends. We know they're his friends because he calls them his friends. And he makes them breakfast on the beach after they went and fell asleep, after he asked them to pray, right? And after he was denied and betrayed. And what really strikes me is how vulnerable he is and how quick he is to, I'll use the word repair because that's like the clinical word that I use at work, to repair those relationships. Because imagine that you're Peter, for example, after you denied Jesus and then Jesus appears before you. Imagine the tension, the awkwardness, right? Like, and maybe not. Obviously, the Bible says he's, they're very, like, they're, they're so happy, they're so excited. But imagine, you know, I kind of try to put myself in their sandals when I read the Bible, try to imagine what it would be like for me. <laughs> and just, like, so sorry, right? He, 
he's so loving. But, I mean, what I want to get to is the vulnerability in this question. He asks Peter, do you love me, three times. One time for every time Peter denied him. Do you love me? Like, really close your eyes and listen to those words. Do you love me? Do you love me? So vulnerable. We call that in, in therapy a bid for connection, a bid for repair. Um, it's risky. I mean, imagine a time when you asked somebody that, when you weren't sure. I, I know Jesus was sure, but he was making a point. I'm asking you in a, in a relationship where you ask that question, how vulnerable that is. He models vulnerability. It's important for us to have vulnerability in relationships because without vulnerability, we can't have connection. We can't have connection. Without vulnerability, we're kind of masking, we're fronting, right? And no one really gets to see behind the mask to connect. <clears throat> Research shows that we're all wired for connection. We have a deep need for love and belonging, but we fear being seen and we fear being rejected and judged. But we are made in God's image, and we saw with the, um, I'm going to go back. We saw with the, um, the Trinity that he's relational. We are relational. We're wired for connection. We need relationships. God needs us in relationships. He doesn't need us to be in a relationship with him. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. But what I mean is what we can do in our Think about what relationships do. Think about it. Relationships build families. They build neighborhoods. They build communities. They build churches. We need relationships. Um, the enemy knows this. This is very powerful. The enemy knows, and John 10.10 10 says, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. Relationships are an easy target for the enemy. Because I, I'm just, I'm just going to say this right now. There are going to be a few times that I hope you don't hear what I say and you feel offended because I keep things real. And I'll say things, I'll keep it real. We can be petty. It's easy for the enemy to go after our relationships because we can be petty. We could be selfish. We can be out for ourselves and not for the big picture. But our relationships are a big deal, they're powerful, and they are an easy target for the enemy. Just think about what happens when relationships break down. Families divorce, friendships divide, there's division in the church, people pull away, people isolate. If that's happening, how are we showing up to fulfill the great assignment of loving God and loving others? So... <clears throat> If we start to look at our relationships more as a spiritual battleground and you look at your strained relationships, your fractured relationships, your tough-to-love people in relationships, with a more eternal perspective, who's the real enemy? I'm so grateful for the examples that Jesus gives us when it comes to navigating relationships. Um, as we're all familiar, our sinfulness has caused us to be separated from God, and he died for our sins to repair that relationship. We get to enjoy relationship with him, and the relationship with Jesus does some huge things. 
When we spend time with Jesus, when we pray, when we are in a relationship with Jesus, he transforms us. He transforms our mind, and he softens our heart. And we need him to soften our hearts. Because without it, we end up falling into what we call the four horsemen of relationship apocalypse. The four horsemen of relationship apocalypse are criticism, right? Complaining, nagging, criticizing, um, contempt. Now, research has shown contempt out of the four that I'm going to tell you about. Contempt is the leading cause of broken relationships and divorce. Contempt, sarcasm. Look at sarcasm. How many of us use sarcasm in our day-to-day lives with our, with our relationships? We think it's funny or we think we're witty, but sarcasm is really mean-spirited and it's hurtful and it is dangerous in relationships. Defensiveness is the third, <clears throat> the third horseman. How often do we get caught up in defending ourselves, finding that um, somebody's getting the wrong idea, I'm feeling misunderstood, or, or being blamed, and you start defending yourself? It seems like a natural thing to do, but it's one of the four predictors of, of broken relationships. And then the fourth one is stonewalling. Stonewalling is, is somewhat just like kind of giving up. Stonewalling could also be the cold shoulder, but it's typically just like, why try? Just why try? And a lot of relationships end up in like a roommate situation. Marriages end up in a roommate situation or friendships might end up kind of like where you're not really putting in any effort at all. You see them, you see them, but just forget it. That's stonewalling. Um, when we spend time with Jesus, when we, spend, we, when we build that relationship with Jesus, when we are praying, when we are surrendering ourselves to him, and, and he is softening our heart, it is easier for us to, to look past offenses, to not be easily hurt, um, to be more forgiving, when you have shared meaning, like when you know you and your partner, or when I say partner, I mean the other person in your relationship, whether it's a friend or a coworker or a spouse, when you are in a conflict, you remember the eternal perspective, and you remember that you are not against that person, that the two of you together are in a spiritual battle, and it's the enemy that you're fighting. It's easier for you to navigate that conflict. And you're not going to ever eliminate conflict. Conflict is very important. Conflict is something you manage. You don't resolve. You manage. Conflict helps us to grow. It provides us opportunity for connection. We aren't all going to necessarily agree on things. It's okay to have conflict and to be able to honor our differences in that way. So when you do have conflict, and it's important for... um, you to work through it, what do you do if you find that you, you need help not being critical? Maybe you don't realize that even though you're spending time with God and the Holy Spirit's convicting you that you're being critical, what do you do if you didn't know any different? I mean, if this is all you've known, for example, one of the first things that you can do, an anecdote, if you will, is the soft startup. So the soft startup basically is saying what you feel, expressing your needs. Oftentimes, we are critical because we have unmet expectations or unmet needs 
or unexpressed feelings. So instead of criticizing, like, you always leave your socks on the floor. Who's always leaving a mess in the bathroom? And you, know, you say what you need. You express your expectation. The um, antidote for contempt is gratitudes. If your thoughts are filled with how, how unhappy you are with someone, how they always disappoint you, how they're always against you, or you never feel like they're on your side, or you're superior to them, or they aren't good enough for you. If your thoughts are filled with that, it's really like a cancer that has got to be taken care of. And the best way to do that is to spend your time focused on thoughts of gratitude about that person. It's the thing you least want to do. I know, it's the, it's the thing you least want to do when you're feeling this way about somebody. But it's the most important thing. Because if your thoughts are so heavy on the negative, you're going to always see the negative. It's going to be like a lens of, of fault-finding. But the gratitudes, the appreciation, that is what helps you to have a more balanced perspective of what's going on. Um, to know that the person is maybe coming from a good place, but their delivery is awful, so to speak. Um, just as an example. Gratitudes, when you fill your thoughts with gratitudes, when you fill your thoughts with thoughts of appreciation for that person, it also helps you not come in so hot when you have something that you need to confront the other person with. Um, so, sorry, I have some verses supporting some of the anecdotes, but I'm behind. There we go. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Um, the antidote for defensiveness. Typically, we get defensive when the other person is critical or treating us with contempt, right? Because that's just naturally how we respond to to being treated that way. Instead of defensiveness, taking, um, basically taking inventory of the situation, what in the situation can you be accountable for? So if you're starting with, you know what, I was wrong for, in this situation, not giving you enough time to get ready, so I apologize, but it's really important to me that we be on time. That's a little different than, you are always late, it's not my fault that we weren't there, and et cetera, et cetera, away we go, right? So um, accepting responsibility is very important in conflict. It helps diffuse the energy and, and the um, animosity that can build up when two people are having a disagreement. Uh, Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Like even this verse is saying, before you offer something to God, make your amends to this person. Make your amends to this person. <clears throat> the antidote for stonewalling the antidote for stonewalling is taking a time out, physiological self-soothing. So a lot of times a person is stonewalling because they're afraid of conflict or they're really worked up physiologically, like maybe they're anxious or nervous or very angry and they don't want to lose control, so then they shut down. Instead of shutting down and stonewalling, take 20 minutes, 
Soothe yourself physiologically. Go for a walk, listen to worship music, pray. Do not dwell, do not brood. Um, do not go over and over and over how you got offended or how you were hurt. But go take that time to physiologically self-soothe. Time out. And then come back to manage the conflict. You don't want to create more problems by avoiding a person. Basically, when somebody's stonewalling you, what is the message they're communicating to you? It may not be what they mean to communicate, but what it communicates oftentimes is, I don't care what you have to say. I don't want to hear it. And that's not, in relationships, I think, what we're trying to say. It's more, I don't want to lose control. This is upsetting me, and I don't want to lose control. I don't want to have this fight again and again and again. So go calm down so that Anger doesn't cause you to sin. And then because you're in a relationship and that person means something to you, your friendship, your marriage, whatever that relationship is, listen. Then at least you've calmed down. A, a lot of times what I, and we're going to get to this next, the reactive cycle and the three A's, but I, I tell people, ask yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 how intensely you're feeling what you're feeling. Being aware so you can manage yourself and regulate yourself is one of the first most important things you can do in relationships. Because if you're not managing yourself, there's really, um, there's really little hope that you're going to be able to once you're triggered by like that look or that thing that the person says, right? Because you know then it's on. So control yourself by soothing yourself, bringing yourself down to a, a more manageable emotional intensity. Okay, so here are two people after the 20 minutes sitting down and working it out. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, hungry, seeking someone to devour. Once again, in this case, your relationship. Be self-aware, be sober, be well-balanced, self-disciplined, be alert, be cautious. Know what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your feelings so you can control yourself. So you're aware that the enemy is after us in our relationships. He, he wants to hurt us in our relationships. He doesn't want, you know, us to be advancing the kingdom of God. And that is what we're here for, right? A relationship with God and to bring more people one step closer to Jesus, right? Okay, so we talked about awareness. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't put the three A's on there, I guess. Hmm. Okay, the three A's should be on here. <laughs> the three A's are awareness. Hold on a second. The three A's were introduced to us by the Smalleys in the marriage retreat two years ago. Do you remember the one I'm talking about when they were here from Focus in the Family a week before the world got shut down by the pandemic? Do you remember that? They were here and they, they taught us about our reactive cycles and they gave us the three A's. Um, our reactive cycles, kind of like what we were talking about with the criticism, contempt, offensiveness, and stonewalling, are... Um, as much as, I'll give an exa a personal example. As much as I was spending time with Jesus and as, as much as I could tell that he was changing my heart and I was just like seeing people differently, seeing relationships differently, I still 
because I will say it felt like I was conditioned from years and years and years of certain people in my life to react a particular way to them. And I found myself doing that. And um, so I would have to pray before leaving my house, pray on my way to wherever they were going to be, and just surrender myself to however God wanted to use me in that place, in that time with those people. And I don't mean to say those people like in a bad thing. There are people I love and care about. But there um, was this realization that I had that I was not who I felt like I was transformed into when I was with them. It was almost like I was time warped back to before I had a relationship with Jesus whenever I was around these, these particular relationships. So what I'm saying is we, we tend to have a reactive cycle with some people. They say this, we say this. They say this, we think this and do this. And in order to control that, we, we do um, the, the three A's. And the first A was awareness, which I, I feel like I explained to you pretty well. Be self-aware. Pray to God to help you with that. Ask him, you know, to, to work in you so that you can be self-aware. Exercise mindfulness. If you're in survival mode because your life is super busy and you're not taking care of yourself, it's going to be really hard to be mindful and self-aware. So that might mean you need to do things to take care of your emotional health, your physical health, um, your spiritual health so that you're not living in survival mode and not reactive to every little thing that is going on in your life. Um, so awareness is super important. The second A is attend. So once you become aware of you might be like a six or a seven on a scale of one to ten when it comes to what you're feeling, whether it's angry or frustrated or offended, attend means you take the time to attend to that feeling. So instead of reacting and um, escalating a situation, you are attending to that feeling. Um, whether that means you take it to prayer, you go for a walk, you do the timeout we talked about, um, but you attend to that feeling. And then, and then you prayerfully go into, back into that situation, that um, relationship, choosing how you will act instead of reacting to whatever trigger or prompt you have for years and years and years been reacting to. So that's the third A. Okay, so everyone got one of these, I hope? It's okay, it's up here. Um, like I said, I, I try to model how I am in my relationships when I'm intentional to how I come to Jesus. Now, I know Jesus is above all others, and I'm not trying to like, exalt relationships anywhere on the same level as my relationship with Jesus, but has any show of hands if you've seen this acrostic, the pray acrostic, where when you come to pray, you kind of do it in this order, you praise him, and then you repent, and then you ask for whatever it is that you want to ask Jesus, and then you yield. Has, how, show of hands, how many of you are familiar with that acrostic? Okay, awesome. What's interesting is that they are synonymous with the anecdotes I just described to you. So just like when I come to Jesus and I pray to him, because our relationship with Jesus is, is, I mean, prayer is paramount in that. Prayer is communicating to our Savior. I try to communicate in my relationships in a similar fashion, just like we just talked about. 
thinking about what you appreciate about this person when you come to them. Let me back up. A lot of times in marriage counseling in my office, I will have someone ask me, how do I end the fight? We have the fight, and then we calm down, and then we have the fight, and then we calm down. But how do we end the fight? How do we come back and, like, resolve the issue? And like I said to you, you manage conflict, but some things can't be resolved if two people are just like, this is how it is. However, um, when um, they're not sure how to come back together, for example, after the 20 minutes, what do I say? What do I do? Like, just jump right back into it? No. Start with how you would come to Jesus. As we are trying to, like, repair our relationship with Jesus, like, let's say I sinned this morning, and I'm coming before him, and I'm going to begin with praise and worship and, and prepare my heart to be in, in community with him, to have a conversation with him. Whoops, excuse me. Um, similar in your relationships. You know, you might be coming out of a conflict feeling kind of hurt and and negative about that person, come to them and, and acknowledge that they might have been coming from a good place. Acknowledge that you know that they love you and they care about you and um, say something you appreciate about them, like that they care so much that, that this just keeps coming up. And then repent, so make your amends. This is my part. This is what I know that I'm doing that, that I need to account for. I'm going to tell you right now, if we started most of our conflicts owning our stuff, how many of our conflicts are going to keep on getting bigger and bigger and nastier and nastier and leading into a fractured relationship? And then ask. So this is the I statements part, right? This is where instead of criticizing, you never take me on a date anymore. I really love spending time with you, and I miss you, and I just would really appreciate if, if we could just set up a time to go out, just you and me. Let's walk the pier or something. You know, just ask. Ask. And then yield. Yield when we pray to the Lord as we're yielding for, for his work, what he does, and leaving it with him, right? With um, this particular acrostic, we, yielding is... Um, what I had um, paired up with the stonewalling and the um, timeout. So just taking the time, taking the time apart to calm yourself, be with the Lord, ask him to help you to see another perspective. Now, I'm going to wrap up here. Lastly, there are a lot of situations in people's lives that make healthy relationships super challenging. Um, maybe you've got an estrangement in your, in your life. Maybe you have codependency. Um, or maybe you're in a relationship with someone who has codependency. Or maybe you've experienced relation, relationship trauma. I'm just going to kind of read the definitions of each of these things. Estrangement is when um, solutions kind of start and end with, or I'm sorry, solutions start and end with humility and empathy. We must clear away preconceptions, hurt feelings, and biases so that we can see how we contribute to an ongoing problem. We must look in the mirror and own our part. But like skipping to the end, you can only be responsible for you. If the other person isn't um, 
you know, isn't inter- interested in a relationship with you and, and they're, they're staying their distance, give it to God, pray, and accept. Um, you, can, you can continue to try to love them from afar, but that, that estrangement, um, you have to kind of hand over to God. Now, if you're the one that is setting the limits in the relationship, let's say um, you try and you try and you try, you've, you've made um, amends for your part, taken responsibility for your part, and um, a person just keeps violating your boundaries, a person just keeps on um, hurting you, the only thing that you really can do is continue to set limits with that person, forgive them, but you might just have to, to, to distance yourself from that person and pray, give it to God, and allow him to work in that other person. Um, we have to use acceptance when it comes to relationships, when it comes to p- relationships with people who aren't showing up in the relationship the way we need to. Uh, and when I say acceptance, I mean you can't force them to change. You can't change their heart. Um, you can, again, set limits with them. You can set boundaries with them. Um, but there's only so much you can do. The rest, only Jesus can change hearts. Um, codependency. Um, I'm going to read these real quick. Codependency, I don't know. Um, a lot of people get confused. They think that um, they're, they're acting in Christian love when really it's more about... Um, Something has happened here. <laughs> I had a list of 13 signs of codependency, and I don't see them there. Oh, they're just kind of all merged together. That's okay. The formatting changed. I'm sorry. So I'm going to read them to you so it makes more sense. The first one is a deep-seated need for approval. Um, approval from others. Self-worth that depends on what others think about you. The third is a habit of taking on more work than you can realistically handle. A fourth sign is earning praise Realistic, oh, realistically handle to earn praise or lighten a loved one's burden, which sounds Christian love, right? Sounds like Christian love. But the, these are things that I'm just going to, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to share this maybe with Paula or, or um, and maybe it can be posted on the Women's Ministry Facebook page because this is really difficult to read and I want you to really understand what codependency is. But in a nutshell, if it's not motivated by love, if you're working harder than someone else and you're trying to change them or fix them, or your relationship with them is something that you feel like you need, then you might have codependency. All right, and then the next one is trauma, signs of relational trauma. There's five signs. I'll do the same thing. I'll share the five signs for them to be shared on the Facebook page, but um, taking responsibility for others' emotional well-being, trying to fix other people, being hypervigilant and monitoring other people's moods. Like, if you're not okay, I can't be okay. But if you're okay, I'm okay. That's, that's a trauma response. Fear of failure, fear of abandonment, and self-sufficiency. And I don't mean independence. I mean the attitude of, I'm on my own anyway. I can't count on anybody. All right. What I wanted to communicate with express, explaining those is if, if that's where you are, if, if those are, are examples of something that you have lived or you struggle with, there's hope for healing. You can have healing in your relationships. Having codependency and trauma in your background, it, it makes it hard to have healthy relationships, but you can. There's hope. And um, we have Celebrate Recovery 
here. We also have Al-Anon here that will um, be helpful. We also have um, amazing connection groups in our church that you can join. You can ask um, for a mentor or a sponsor here at the church. Um, you can seek godly counsel. I know my husband and I have sat with Jay and Annette a couple times to help us work through some things. And there's therapy. There's therapy. So I just want to um, leave you with, oh, <laughs> I just want to leave you with knowing that because of our relationship with Jesus, we can experience relational health and wholeness, and he can heal our hearts. And there is a pos- there's a possibility that we can have healthy relationships in our, in our lives um, because of him. So I'm actually going to pray over us right now as our panel comes forward. We're going to have Jay, Annette, and Donna um, as a panel share um, in response to some questions that Mary is going to ask them. So if you would, um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the privilege of a relationship with you. I ask, Lord, that if, if there is someone here who doesn't know that relationship, who hasn't had the privilege, the, the, um, the intimacy, the healing, the, the deep love relationship with you, that they, that they know that they can step forward and, and get that from you anytime, that they can ask you into their hearts. Lord, I thank you for our panel that is, is going to share today. I thank you for their vulnerability. I thank you for their honesty, Lord. I pray that that we are all blessed with, with what you prompt them to share with us, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much, Nicola. I love that she said that she was going to put that on either our Facebook page or if you do sign up for the email, and you'll be able to get all that information because it was just a wealth of information for all of us, and just really appreciated all of that. So, okay, welcome to the panel, Pastor Jay Halley and his wife Annette, and we all know Donna, the most wonderful musician in the church that we have. Long time, huh? Right? I feel like a thorn between a number of roses here. This is like out of, out of place. <laughs> oh, we appreciate you being here very much, Jay. But um, this is a little bit different because we're going to be talking about two totally different topics. So I'm just going to kind of go back and forth, if that's okay with you. Uh, the Halleys are going to talk a little bit about marriage. And Donna is going to share some um, uh, different knowledge and wisdom that she's learned with her daughter, Sonia who recently actually is, is coming back, is in process in, in our Norwalk campus. She's graciously um, taken the lead uh, for the worship, and we're excited about that. So you guys get to spend even more time with each other and your grandkids, and that's awesome. So, Jay and Annette, we're just going to go right there, okay? <laughs> um, if you could share with the ladies here tonight one of the hardest seasons that you remember having in your marriage, right? And then what helped you to get through to the other side? I see we're jumping right in, huh? <laughs> I know. I said we're going there. <laughs> um, well, just a little bit about Jay and I. Our, we've been here about 10 years, and we had um, 23 years in Akron before that. That's where our kids were raised. Um, so our family 
grew from there. And then before that, we were in Chicago for three years with a um, career change for Jay. He went into vocational ministry at that time. And then before that, we met in Columbus. So I say all those things because probably for me, the hardest seasons were when um, we had big changes geographically because the relationships had to change. Mm -hmm. And um, those are the things that probably were um, closest to my heart. Mm -hmm. um, how we got through those times, I'd say go back to relationships. I had some very good friends that I could meet with weekly in Akron, for example. We met weekly, we went to coffee shops, we studied the Bible together, but we were able to be ourselves and we could just um, not put on fronts and we could help each other um, just get through hard, some hard times. All to say too, like Nicola very much emphasized tonight, the first relationship was with my, my relationship with God through mm -hmm. prayer. Yeah. So, and it, then of course, my relationship with Jay, mm -hmm. and trying to keep that current, so. And as women, Annette, we know that we, we just have to have just a couple very confidential, really trustworthy friends, right, that we can just, right. because we're women, and we just need to be able to pray together and, and be real and talk and about real. those things, right? And we are very imperfect people, mm -hmm. and we can um, feel that we can trust people. Yeah, So for that sure. was the, probably the most important. That's wonderful. Guys need that, too. We just yeah. are slower at understanding that. Yeah. It, it's... Um, it's so funny when, my, when our daughter calls Annette, they'll talk for 40 minutes on the phone. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. one of our son calls and talks to me, we talk for four minutes, we're done, good. <laughs> and it's just the way it is. I totally I think the challenges maybe we faced uh, really before we got married, I put Annette through the ringer. I, I was so afraid to get married. It got married at 30, Annette's younger than I. And I was just scared to death because I knew what marriage meant. Yeah. I was a, still a rather young believer, but I understood all that it would take, and I was afraid. And so I, I really leaned into some very good friends mm -hmm. who helped me understand this is the right move, and they, they were right. <laughs> um, but I was scared to death. But I leaned into mm -hmm. God, leaned into friends. And then really, uh, 10 years ago, when it came time mm -hmm. to, it, it, it was apparent that we needed to leave the chapel in Akron to come here. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, moving, and I was 58 years old, I think. You know, at that point, it's not just about physical uprooting, but it's relational uprooting, and it was horrible. Yeah. And I would go to bed. I would go to bed at night, lying on my right-hand side, listening to Psalm 121 playing over and over and over. Yeah. You, know, where, you know, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And I just really... Mm -hmm leaned into God, and I leaned into Annette and some good friends there. And one good friend said, listen, you're, what you're facing is the unknown, but the, the memories and the people you will lose here, you will gain there. Yeah. And we, in 10 years, we found out that's true. Wow. People like Donna and Bill. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. such good wisdom. And I love that, you know, I know I've, in a difficult season in my life too, I, um, the Bible app, and you can, you can actually turn that on and listen to it. And I would go to bed at night with just listening to the Psalms and it would just bring peace and I would be able to rest. And so thanks for sharing that. That's a really good tip for people, you know, as far as, you know, going through a trauma. And so Donna, 
I'm just going to go right there with you too because time is short and we're going to get to the, the tough stuff. So, yeah. so what I want to ask you is sharing a time with Sonia um, where you overcame the most, one of the most challenging seasons, if you can remember something mm -hmm. like that. And um, maybe you can share like a couple of lessons that came through that as from, mm -hmm. for a mom. Well, uh, kids change moms, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and I was raised one of five children, missionary parents, and I was always one to go along with the program, you know. If my mom and dad said something, you know, well, we, I never contested it. Then I had a daughter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she wasn't like a... <laughs> and, you know, when they're little, they're, you know, they kind of... She, she was just uh, always kind of cooperative and, and creative. And then we made a move from Screw Lake up the Adirondacks to here. And I did not prepare her kind of well. It was like grade six. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think when I look back, I didn't really go and give her many choices. I was raised, you know, hey, the family has decided to do this, and we just all followed in. Well, I think I didn't really learn how to give her choices and prepare her. Well, she went through a time. It was so hard for her, and she reacted, and there was a time of real rebellion um, that happened because she wasn't a cookie-cutter person, she was um, her own person. She was definitely going her own way, yeah. and she eventually, you know, and trying to find her place in school. Like, what am I, a jock, a nerd, or what? You know, and she's kind of creative, and um, didn't kind of fit in right away. So then, you know, the enemy is there, yeah. and I tell you, I think when when uh, we heard about the trauma reaction, there was a time, I think, we were almost traumatized with was what she was becoming. Mm. Like, she was like in a real rebel mode. And what do you do? <laughs> you know? So I guess I don't have to ask you the prodigal son question. Yes, definitely. Okay, we'll just save that one. Yes, I would say. <laughs> kind of what you're talking about. Yes, because it drove us. I mean, kind of, I remember Bill having kind of a panic attack and, and, um, she was getting in with the wrong crowd and doing her own thing, and it was like we were losing her. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I have a couple minutes, I can just share the word prodigal. The first four letters are P-R-O-D, right? And as I've been reflecting on it in the past, I thought the enemy is there to prod you one way, and then the Holy Spirit is there to prod you in another way. The P-R-O-D that the enemy was pushing me to was P-Panic. I mean, you literally panic. You think, what is happening to this mm -hmm. little perfect child that I had for a few years? And then R is like either retreat. Because if you're not willing to share, you just go into this dark place. Yeah. And oh my goodness, I remember just thinking, I'm a total failure. <laughs> As we have one. You think, okay, all our hopes were in this one. Then the O, P-R-O, is obsess. 
it's like this is the one most important thing in my life, and you just go round and round in, 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 thinking this is disaster. Well, the D is that can lead to de depression. If your obsession can lead to a depression, if that was where my mind was going. Well, with, by God's grace, I see now the P-R-O-D that the Holy Spirit was wanting me to move into was P, pour out your heart to God mm -hmm. or pray. I mean, really pour it out. Say, look at this. Then the R, the big one, is relinquish. Mm -hmm. To let go, you know, instead of so obsession, obsessing about what she is or isn't at this point, and to let go to God. And then the other O for me was start offering praise. Even before the answer comes, start offering praise. And I would look through scripture on her birthday once, which is November 14, I went to, well, I'll look for a psalm. So I went to Psalm 14. <clears throat> there was nothing good there. So we moved on to, <laughs> to Psalm 114. And that verse, the very last verse of Psalm 114 says this, I, the Lord, will turn the hard rock into springs of water. Mm. I put a big PTL, praise the Lord, in faith that God was going to work. And then the D is, Donna, you have to take care of yourself. You find your delight in God. Yeah. And Sonia she told, she said, share whatever you want tonight, Mom. They're moving from Columbus. But anyway, she, um, she said, I remember when you, when I lost my power over you, when I said, whatever happens, I'm still okay with Jesus. You know? Yeah. And it kind of actually... Release. It was a release yeah. in both of us. Absolutely. Like she didn't have to act out yeah. to, to get power over me. Right. I was able to kind of let it go. Yeah, you know? that's so good. And really and truly both of you and all of you saying, you know, it's really Jesus. I mean, mm -hmm. this is not for the faint of heart. Relationships mm -hmm. are very complex mm -hmm. there's two of you or more and um, it just doesn't always go easily so yeah. that's wonderful advice so back to the Hallies real quick here so what has been some of the most helpful advice that you've ever received when it comes to working through conflict I just want to sit here and listen to Donna and Annette talk. Hi, there, yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I will say this: that conflict is not my. F I, conflict is important. Conflict is is what's going to happen. Um, it's how you handle it. And yeah. I'm not great at at. Uh, oh boy, I just I avoid conflict. Some of you know the Enneagram scale, and I'm not big on that. But but I know I'm a nine, and that's a peacemaker. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what it's called? A peacemaker. Yeah. And so I kind of, it's hard for me. And yet I know when you, when you look through the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, right? Um, a number of places. It says things like open rebuke is better than hidden love. You know, the, 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 the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an, of an enemy. And what that tells me is that, that there's wisdom 
in sharing hard things with somebody, yeah. entering into the conflict. Because at the end of the day, the book of Proverbs really is about how do you, how, how do you not only get better, how do you help somebody else get better? <laughs> Proverbs 12.1, literally it says, uh, the one who hates correction is stupid. That's what it says. <laughs> I even actually looked up the word. Does it really say stupid in the Hebrew? It's, it's that word. And, uh, but but I, I, know, I know that, that like in our, in our marriage mm-hmm. or any relationship, I know that I'm withholding. The, I'm not helping that person get better by not entering into the conflict. On the other hand, I also know that when Annette comes to me or anybody comes to me here at the chapel, we talk about the 5%, the, thing, the, the 5%, the things you don't mm-hmm. really want to say but you need to say. Yes. When somebody comes to me with that, I, I know I need to listen because God yes. calls me to get better too. Yeah. It's just hard yeah. for me. So anyway. But I um, love what you just said when you opened it. We, we can't avoid it. No. I mean, in a healthy relationship, it's going to happen. And it, yeah. this, this is why we're doing this tonight, because we just really just filled up our toolboxes, right, with a lot of things that Nicola was teaching us of maybe we can go home and do some of these things yeah, better. Yeah, and Nicola right? really teed it up well, and we just, we're just trying to give some practical things. For sure. What do you think in that? Just uh, saying the same thing. Jay um, loves peace and harmony in a home, which I love too. But... So because of that, the conflict is really hard on him. And, and I guess something that was told to me, and I try to keep this in my mind, is um, try to keep the end in view when you're developing your words to approach conflict. Like, mm. it, you might win the, the fight, but you're not going to win the battle for your, a unified marriage if you're going to... Um, be care- you have to be careful in how you deal with the conflict. And so, mm. yeah. So good. That is so, yeah. so good. Yeah. So, Donna, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be really kind to, this, to you on this one. I want to know what has brought you closest to your daughter over the years because there's been a lot of years. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank the women. There are some women right here in this congregation who, when Sonia was going through her journey back then, prayed. We, I, was, I joined a little group called Moms in Touch, and where we would just pray for our kids. You know, I think it, it was amazing. Then we actually moved from here because it was an environment to, to Pennsylvania for a few years, and, and even God orchestrated that. She went on a missions trip when she was a sophomore in college, I mean, in, in high school, she was like 16. She probably just wanted to get out of the house. I don't, but it was amazing. She went to, um, to Transkai in Africa, and she came home. She had had her own experience with Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's a heart thing, and we just stand back. We can't take any, any credit <laughs> Right. <laughs> we can take a, maybe a lot of blame, but giving God glory, yes. I can't. Last Sunday, I can't. It was so amazing because Sonia has accepted this position of worship leader. I mean, if you had told her when she was 13, you're going to be a worship leader, <laughs> she, would have, she would have thrown away her cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> But on Sunday, she was leading worship, and Charles had, uh, was representing different aspects of motherhood. 
So Sonia had me come up and the two little grandchildren, nine and 11. And we uh, sang a prayer song that we sing at, at our mealtimes that had been passed on from my mother. The grace of God. And I love what Ruth Graham said, transformations of the heart are miracles. And that's God's domain. So if I had to do it over, she said, I would worry less and pray more. <laughs> so it's just a, a, really a gift yes. to be back. Well, you know, I could sit here for another half an hour and tie. I have, you know, just the most amazing people up here, but that clock is saying, you know, I need to move a little faster. So we can, I can just ask one more question and we'll take it all the way across the board, okay? So um, what is a, a takeaway that you, over all the things we heard tonight, the things that you guys said, what, what is one takeaway that you could give to the women, whether it be advice or just a comment or a prayer or just a thought that um, they could take that last tool home with them and actually put it into action? I think a prayer that I would have is that people here don't feel alone. Um, there are so many um, reasons sometimes we come into a big room full of people and we can still feel alone. And so I would hope that that would be uh, something that, that they know that they're loved, that they are valued by God first, and there are many people here that would like to come alongside and, and people that could come alongside them. So mm. that's one of the takeaways. That's so good. So, so true, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> over my years, I mean, starting with Annette, but so many good friends, uh, people who have just come into my life, have mentored me. I, I'm so grateful for Everyone that God has allowed me to be to uh, to, to benefit from, but but I I will say this: the, the the number one thing that I I'm just so grateful for is the, um, the the nurture I receive from God's word, the the truthfulness mm -hmm. of God's word. And every one of you, I would imagine, probably ate something today, and you probably ate something yesterday, and the day before that, and last year. You 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 eat to nourish your body, but I don't know how a person grows spiritually and becomes strong in their identity in Christ without a regular intake of God's word. And we, we, we talk about that a lot here at the, the chapel, but I, I find a way to just over, just, just like eating your food, allow your soul to be nourished by the intake of God's word. I, I think that's, that's how you, you, you gain, I think, the wisdom needed in healthy relationships, not that it'll ever be perfect, but it's, I think that's how we get God's heart for relationships. Mm. That's so true, Jay, and I'm thinking that if we could try, it's not possible for everyone, but if we could try to do that early in the day, our days would probably be a lot better and we would be a lot more stable to handle the conflicts that come along with with the relationships. Right? I totally agree with what they're saying because I like to, you know, our relationships, I think, come out of a deep place. Who we are, like someone said, a cup brimful of sweet water isn't, gonna, isn't going to spill out bitter water. 
So am I filling myself? So in the morning, like I like to just go out on my deck and quote a couple verses. The one is right here. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my hope in you. Then show me the way I should go, like who I should talk to. Show me the way I should go, for I entrust my life to you today, whatever. And then the other one, I like him to help me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. So it's like you start with him and then you walk through the day with him. It's not just, okay, leave him now on the shelf. That's why my, I had this acronym for the word worship, W-O-R-S-H-I-P, walking our road, savoring his intimate presence. Thank you. <laughs> I says, they know it. <laughs> <laughs> savoring his, and he walks with me and he talks with me, like mm. being with Jesus throughout the day. And out of that then, you know, his love should absolutely. infiltrate some of my relationships. Absolutely, because as we are in many, many relationships with people that we work with or people that we live with or people that we play with, we are in relationship, can be in relationship mm -hmm. with Jesus all day long. Mm -hmm. He's right there. He never leaves us. Yeah. You taught me many years ago, Jesus, you are here with my, me. My seven, seven <laughs> syllables. Those seven yeah. words have never left me, and yeah. I repeat them often to myself mm -hmm. because when the going gets tough, I yeah. just know that, Jesus, you are here That's with right. me. And yeah. it's so powerful statement. Yeah. So, yeah. well, my goodness, I could listen to these guys for a mm -hmm. long time. But um, thank you so much for your vulnerability, your willingness to come up here on the stage and talk about some of the stuff that's not anything that you would really want to share. But I just want you ladies to know that if, there, if any one of you um, were just pricked in your heart and it's a little heavy, or we have our prayer room open again tonight from 7.30 to 8. There's some women over there that um, love to um, just meet with women, and it's confidential, and they won't share it with anyone. But if you just need someone to pray with you, it's right across on the other side of the fountain there. You can just go in there and um, confidentially pray with someone, okay? So um, I'll just leave this in a prayer, and then we can um, dismiss, okay? Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for all the truth that was shared from your word, and just from Nicola and Annette and Jay and, and Donna, and just the wisdom that has just fallen here tonight. And I ask, Lord, that you help us to, when we leave here, to remember some things uh, that were um, just meant directly for us and that we could actually put them into um, process starting as, as soon as we leave this building. Thank you for meeting the needs of um, so many different behind the scenes today. And um, we just praise you and thank you. Mm -hmm. And we love uh, being able to um, be part of this renewed. And we just ask for your wisdom as we go into the summer and plan and just come back even stronger uh, than, than this has been over these last 14 months. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.